trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. You in the mood for a little reality? I think that's kind of going to be the theme of today's show. Staying attached to reality. Our program is brought to you by great sponsors like Garage Door Pros, also LifesavingFood.com, MonticelloCollege.org, and HSLAmmo.com. But when I need a reality supplement, I'll tell you the guy I turn to. That would be Eric Peters from EricPetersAutos.com. Eric, how are you today? Well, I'm good. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. And I'm feeling so optimistic and healthy today now that Joe says the Biden says the pandemic is over. Yeah, I caught that. He was asked by Scott Pelley from 60 Minutes, you know, about is the is the pandemic over? Yes, it is. So why the emergency declaration? Like <laughs> why is it still in effect? And just like that. Yeah. You know, it, it's fascinating to me that uh, these things can just be conjured into existence by the say-so of politicians. I actually posted an article about it a little while ago. You think if there was a, a real pandemic, let's say the bubonic plague, we wouldn't need Joe to tell us it was on or over. And yet these guys just glibly waltz by all the wreckage that they caused by manufacturing this so-called pandemic. Oh, it's over. Go back to your lives. You know, not, notwithstanding that they've, they've ruined people's lives by declaring this so-called pandemic. Yeah, it and it's so convenient, you know, how the timing works out. Well, hey, look, the elections are just a couple months away now. Uh-huh. Well, I guess it's time yeah, for the pandemic speaking, to end. And speaking of that, you know, you may have noticed that we're only paying about double what we paid for gas as opposed to nearly triple. Hmm, I wonder why that might be. That's a, Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this. My wife was looking at gas prices last night, and I think we're paying about four fifty a gallon, which is, is not cheap, yeah. but it's better than five bucks a gallon. And she was expressing relief. Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm not trying to I'm not trying to bag on her for, for suggesting, oh yeah, four fifty is better than five, mm-hmm. but compared to where we were a couple of years ago or even a year ago, mm-hmm. man, we are still in danger territory. Yeah, well the trick is uh, for these tyrants, they take away everything you've got and then they make you grateful for giving something back. That's, you know, that's, that's the, the psychological technique. So now people are looking at, oh, gas prices are, are, are down. And they're forgetting what gas prices used to be before the people who caused them to double and almost triple um, ha- conjured that into existence. And it's, it's a temporary reprieve. The only reason that the cost of gas has gone down is because the Biden thing a couple of months ago opened up the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and dumped a bunch of oil onto the market. Now, the important point there is that that oil was in existence previously and it was being dumped into the market. Production has not increased. So once they turn off the spigot, so to speak, the amount of oil that's on the market is not going to increase because capacity has not been increased. So prices are going to go up. And you and I talked a little bit off the air, too, about something that's related. Most people are grateful that gas prices have gone down. But if you look at the cost of diesel, diesel is still exorbitant. I was I checked in California, where a lot of ports are, coincidentally, and a lot of agriculture is. And uh, diesel is still about $6.20 a gallon in California. And you know, the reason that, that your food prices have not gone down, even if your gas prices have gone down, is because the cost of diesel is still so very high. And everything that's produced and everything that's shipped, well, almost everything, largely everything, is, uh, is made possible and conveyed by diesel-powered vehicles. So... 
uh, unless diesel fuel prices go down massively, our costs are never going to go down no matter what happens this coming to term. It's interesting you would mention that because uh, the last couple of mornings, I, I get up very early and I have seen an army of farm vehicles in the field right across the road from where I live. It's a great big spud field, um, hundreds of acres, maybe a thousand acres. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a big field, but mm-hmm. no less than five diggers with tractors pulling them. And of course, yep. truck after truck after truck. And, and this morning I stepped outside and the first thing I caught was this little whiff of diesel exhaust. And the thought mm-hmm. hit me, how much have these guys spent on fuel just in the last couple of days sure. to keep all of those uh, machines going? And this is just one field of thousands of fields around me here in southern Idaho. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and we, we can uh, get a handle on, on what it costs them because of what it costs us when we go shopping at the grocery store. And $100 now is the new $20 bill, right? You, Boy, you, go, you walk yeah. in there with a $100 bill, you walk out with maybe two little plastic bags of groceries. That's what you get. And you know, part of that is inflation, of course, which is just the devaluation of the buying power of the fiat currency. But there is an underlying real increase in the cost of things. It has nothing to do with inflation. It has to do with this artificially induced increase in the cost of energy, particularly diesel. And that is going to get much, much worse uh, once, the, once the strategic petroleum reserve dries up and they close off the spigot. And for another reason, um, in California, they are actually banning the use of diesel-powered heavy equipment as a support of Los Angeles, for example, where, wow. where Newsom has decreed, and, and it's going to go into effect, that they have to replace their equipment with zero-emissions vehicles or equipment. And the same with heavy trucks. They're not going to permit um, you know, tractor-trailer rigs that have diesel-powered engines to operate in the state within, within the next few years. And you can imagine what that's going to do to the cost of food, not just in California, but nationally. You know, um, just to add a little cherry on top of this this Sunday of outrage here, um, I was reading about an electric fire truck, an EV fire truck that somebody is fielding. Mm-hmm. And hey, look at this, no emissions. Okay, well, what? How does it do it fighting fires? Well, it does have to have a special diesel motor on it to help run the pump to pump the water. But it uh, and it don't, can only go so far, and it's about forty percent less of an effective uh, water pumper than the other trucks. But hey, no emissions. Well, that'll keep me happy as my home burns down. The really good news is it can put itself out when it catches on fire. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. Those electrical fires can be pretty dangerous, Eric. I know. know. This this surreality, if you will, uh, now characterizes our society where manufactured hobgoblins are supposed to cause us to cower in the corner and accept uh, draconian solutions to problems that don't exist it's it you know it, it, it that's the common thread running through all of this from the pandemic to now the latest thing which will be of course the climate crisis which doesn't exist you know i mean and i and i don't say that uh, uh flippantly uh i point out facts that for example the people who tell us that we're about to drown are building homes literally a few inches above sea level a few yards away from the sea like barack obama for example who tells us that we're all going to drown if we don't just uh, decarbonize everything, it's a bunch of nonsense. You know, I, I, when I get into this discussion with people, I ask them the first thing is, do you happen to know what the percentage of the Earth's atmosphere uh, is that's carbon dioxide? Do you know? I don't. I have no idea. It is 0.04%. That's the totality of the carbon dioxide element of the Earth's atmosphere. Now, they're telling us that a fraction of that fraction, one way or the other, somehow is going to induce 
catastrophic climate change. It's absurd. And we know they know it's absurd by their actions. Leonardo DiCaprio flying his private jet to, le- to lecture us about our carbon footprint. Obama's beach house. Uh, you know, Biden's classic Corvette. Uh, if all of these things were existential threats and we were all going to die soon, people would do something on their own. Just as if the bubonic plague were actually out there circulating, we wouldn't need the government to tell us there's a pandemic and for us to stay inside and take precautionary measures. We would because it's real. What they're trying to do is conjure this, this fictitious reality and cause us to cringe in terror of it. Well, I, you know, this is one of the places where I find myself a little bit vexed in the sense that um, refining my own fuel, that's not a very easy mm-hmm. thing. And, and so I wonder, what kind of adjustments no. are we going to have to make? Are we going to have to learn to live like the Amish, you know, if, in, in the future? It may be necessary, at least for a time. Uh, you know, it may be, and I hope I'm wrong about this, it may be inevitable that we're going to have to go through a period of real hardship. I'm not talking about uh, a period of inflation like the 70s where things were just expensive and it was hard to get a job. I'm talking about real hardship, meaning not being able to keep your house warm uh, in the wintertime, not being able to get food for yourself and your family if you haven't taken precautionary measures already. Uh, so I think it would behoove us to consider that. And to do whatever we can to shore ourselves up. I regret that I personally don't have a, an older diesel-powered vehicle. I've got my tractor, but that's, you know, it, it goes eight miles an hour maybe. <laughs> that's it. It's not very viable as a way to get around. But I often think that I should go out and find myself something like an old uh, diesel rabbit or something, you know, that has a mechanical-injected diesel engine. Because unlike gasoline, you can make uh, homebrew diesel, basically, vegetable oil. Diesel, old diesels will burn practically anything. Very true, and I actually have friends who have done that. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I if if I could have my dream, I would have a Volkswagen a TDI, like a little sedan for for commuting back yep. and forth, and uh, and it would be one of those engines that they got pinged for uh, you know falsifying the emissions reports. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it speaks volumes, by the way. I think about the the true motives and intentions of these people that they went after Volkswagen so aggressively over those vehicles. Uh, which were extremely efficient, and, and they were very affordable. And for that reason, lots of people could afford them, unlike EEVs. And now they're going after the hybrids. You know, you may have noticed this. Even though hybrids uh, are, are, for all intents and purposes, a zero-emissions vehicle, and much more so than the so-called zero-emissions electric cars, because they don't impose this massive load on the generating capacity of our utility plants, which, for the most part, do burn hydrocarbon-based fuels and thus increase the carbon footprint. Hold that thought, Eric. Nonetheless, we're going after those hybrids. Hold that thought. We've got to take a very quick break. Eric Peters is my guest. We'll be right back. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Eric Peters from ericpetersautos.com is my guest. Eric, I'm sorry, we had to go to break uh, just as you were right in the middle of a thought. Could I ask you, That's please? That's okay. My please, timing's sometimes off. No, please continue, though. I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to hear the rest of that thought. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that uh, hybrid vehicles, uh, which are essentially partially electric vehicles, are now also in the crosshairs as much as the, the awful Volkswagen diesels were. And, uh, you know, they're being smeared as a problem because they still have a combustion engine, even though that combustion engine hardly emits anything at all that's objectionable. 
uh, and uh, also, unlike the EVs, is affordable. You can pay, Honda Insight Hybrid, for example, which I'm in the process of reviewing, $24,000 car. So it's, it's less than half the price of a Tesla 3. Hugely practical vehicle. Doesn't have any of the gimps and liabilities that an EV has. You don't have to wait for hours for the thing to charge up or go to a fast charger to wait for a half hour. Doesn't have a $20,000 battery pack. All of these things. You'd think if the powers to be were well-intended, they would say, you know, this is a grand solution. It may not be 100% zero emissions, but it's pretty doggone close. And because lots of people could afford vehicles like that, you know what? We should promote that. We should encourage that. Instead, they're trying to stifle it. And that speaks to their motives, I think. Wow. Crazy stuff. Let me ask you this. What else is on your radar screen as, as you're looking around these days? I mean, I know there's it's a target-rich environment. There's a lot going on. But... Uh, Economically, for instance, are you seeing yeah. are you well, seeing some warning signs that that uh, have you going? Ooh, time to hunker down. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think you and I are, are fans of uh, of Howard Kunstler. Oh yes, he had something he had something the other day, uh, and I looked into it. And he's as usual, he's he's accurate about this. That a lot of these big box retailers are um, are culling their inventories and not ordering the usual abundance that they would have uh, in their stores or at least uh, in the process of being shipped to stores for the coming holiday season. You know, we're almost there. It's a, it's a usually strong buying time uh, traditionally. But it seems that the signals that they're sending out is that they think that there is going to be some kind of event or something's going to happen that's going to result in dramatically decreased demand over the holiday season. And I think that's pretty ominous. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I and and okay. Let me let me give you a little more ominous news. Talking with a friend who is an ammo manufacturer, he was telling me that he spoke with a buyer for for one of the big box sporting goods stores. I'm not going to name the name, mm-hmm. but this buyer uh, just had to walk back thirty seven million dollars in ammunition sales to this to this big wow. box chain. Yeah. Wow, and that is for something that a lot of people would consider essential too. Oh yeah. I mean, that's uh, the demand for ammo has been very, very high for the last few years, especially the yeah. last couple of years. But it does make you wonder. And I don't know if you've heard this. Have you heard people talking about, well, September 24th, that's the date to watch. I mean, that's this coming Saturday. I don't know what they have in mind, but it does kind of make me wonder if we're going to see some kind of self-fulfilling prophecy sprung on us. No, I have actually, that's news to me. What is it uh, about the 24th that's significant? There are just a number of people, and, and some of them are just plain citizens, and some of them are economists, and some of them are uh, politicians, but they're saying, watch September 24th, or after September 24th, things are going to be yeah. very different. So it's like they're anticipating some event. That's all well, I, I know. Well, I get that feeling, too. Well, you and I have talked about this before. I, I have been a little bit shaky for the last several months because, the, the left, the Democrats, don't seem particularly concerned about the coming midterms. Um, their behavior and their actions, they, they haven't uh, dialed back uh, a lot of their most outrageous and tyrannical measures. It's as if they don't care that there's a midterm coming up, which suggests to me that either we're not going to have them or they're confident that they're already fixed. I don't know. I, you know my gut tells me that these people are not going to just stand by and allow us to uh, unelect a bunch of leftist Democrats and uh, thereby take some power away for them, from them. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that's just uh, my paranoia based on the, the last three years and then some talking there. But we're going to see, I guess. Yeah, I'm, you know, I, I try not to jump at every rumor or at least not to, you know, take it seriously until I've had a chance to really look at it and, and see if it holds up. 
But uh, this one's got me curious just because of all the different yeah. things that are in motion right now and, and all the things that, that seem poised to, to topple over. And I'm not wishing yeah. for it to happen. I'm just saying there, there's a lot that, that concerns me. And when I hear people saying, well, but, you know, after the 24th, it's all going to be different. I think, what could mm-hmm. they possibly mean? Yeah. No, I mean, there are so many possibilities. Uh, you know, who knows the, the fiery Lenny Riefenstahl red backlit uh, speech of Biden uh, could be the, the predicate, the setup for some sort of event that they can then drape around the shoulders of MAGA Republicans who are an existential threat to our democracy right. and use that as the basis for, for shutting down the elections. God only knows, but I agree with you that probably they've got something in, in play. Well, let's uh, let's talk automobiles for a moment. And sure, what's the bright spot out there this week? You mentioned you were you were testing. What was it again? Was it a hybrid, a Honda hybrid? Yeah, the Honda a Honda Insight. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what do you see that's encouraging? What do you see that uh, is ridiculous? I always like to get your take on, you know, what the automotive world is doing. Well, in general, I'm pretty thoroughly discouraged because the trend now seems to be that every major car company has decided uh, to go along with this decarbonization electrification agenda, which I get because they're, you know, they're literally in the crosshairs. If they don't do it, they're going to be forbidden from selling their vehicles. But I think that they make a a great error in thinking that they're going to be able to continue their business selling vehicles that people in the main don't want and can't afford. It's just not a, it's not a workable model. I do think what they think is, that they're going to be able to transition the business over from the previous model wherein you know you went out and bought a car and you owned the car and then you kept the car for however long you wanted it to renting cars to mm. uh, to you know to having access to transportation that's the term that they use now they're not the car business anymore they're the transportation business so you know you get into this serial debt model kind of like you sign up for a streaming TV service you don't own the DVD or the movie you just pay to have access to use it. And that access, of course, can be withdrawn at any time. But the deeper point is that you don't own anything per that dictum of the WEF and Klaus, yep. that you'll own nothing and, and be happy because they'll own everything. Yeah, and I'm, I'm hearing that that is something that I guess part of the plan is that will spread to clothing, that will spread yep. to furniture. And and if I'm understanding yep. it correctly, so the, the elite will be the first to rent the clothing, and then the middle class will get the hand-me-downs from the elite, and the very poor yep. after, you know, after it's been uh, donated to Goodwill or the equivalent thereof, they'll get to, you know, whatever scraps are left over. Still sounds true. Yeah, the phrase, you know, you own nothing but the shirt on your back won't even be true anymore. You won't even own that. And, you, and you know, by dint of that, you won't own yourself, because how do you own yourself when everything that you need to live uh, is owned by somebody else, and you essentially have to go begging to them for permission to be able to use it according to whatever conditions they lay down. Yeah, that doesn't sit very well with me. And I guess probably not with a lot of other people too. No. And so my counsel, and this is counsel that I followed myself, is to own as much as you can, even if it's not exactly what you wanted. You know, if you don't, you know, maybe you'd like to have that brand new Chevy Tahoe, but uh, you can't afford to just write a check for it. So instead of making payments on the new truck, go out and buy an older one that you can actually buy and you own it, and then it's yours. And, you know, of course, they could still physically take it from you, and that we may have to deal with that problem. But it does make it harder for them to control you if you own things and aren't indebted to them. True. Very true. 
And I appreciate that, you know, this. I, I love, Eric, that you always take it back in a, in a positive direction. We are not helpless sheep. We are not little children who have to wait yep. to be told what to do. We're freaking grown-ups who should understand yep. that, that we can trust ourselves and trust our judgment. But unfortunately, a lot of people need a little kick in the seat of the pants, I think, to be reminded of that. Yeah, and also, don't be afraid of what's not under the bed. You know, whether it's the pandemic or climate change, they want you to be like a little child who's terrified of a boogeyman. Adults aren't afraid of the boogeyman. That's one of the things that separates adults from children, or at least it used to be. And I think we need to get back to that. Stop being afraid of what they tell you to be afraid of. Use your brains, use your judgment, look into the facts, and find out whether there's a good reason to be scared. And if not, be mad at the people who try to tell you to be scared. Hear, hear. Eric Peters from ericpetersautos.com. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate the reality supplement you deliver each week. Thank you for having me on, Brian. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Glad you could join us today. And a special thanks to my sponsors who make this program possible. For instance... It would mean a lot to me if you would do business with GarageDoorProServices.com. Actually, that's the website for Garage Door Pros. They're located in St. George, Utah. They serve Cedar City, Mesquite, Colorado City, as well as St. George. Basically, that whole southwest corner of color country. And we're talking installation, service, and repair of garage doors, whether it's for residential or for commercial purposes. These are the guys who will sell you American-made garage doors, very quick response, much faster lead time, and a perfect willingness to go the extra mile to take care of their customers. That's important. You really need to read some of the reviews that their customers have given them on their website, garagedoorproservices.com, or you can call 435-525-2773. Well, I, I'll tell you, in, the, in this half of the program, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to delve into some tough topics here. And I'm going to build up to the intensity, so you've got a chance to duck out if you need to. It's okay. I'm not going to make any judgment. But uh, because of where we are and a couple of the things that are coming, I'm just going to warn you. This is, this is my disclaimer. This could lead to some real discomfort or at least some acknowledgement of, oh, boy, things are tougher than I thought they were. So you've been warned. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to make you fearful. But... It's, it's getting intense, and things are starting to look pretty serious. So let's, uh, let's gather our courage and, and face it as squarely as we can. Let's start with questioning the social contract. Now, you know, that's a good way to get yourself labeled as a troublemaker. But at the same time, as Paul Rosenberg explains, it's an honest line of inquiry that too few people are willing to consider. Last week, I shared with you his article on the social contract to see if it passes as a legal concept. In other words, he described what does a contract need, and among the things that in order to be valid, a contract requires that both parties or all parties to the contract fully understand it, fully agree to it, and fully consent to it. There's no coercion. There's no assumption. It's all very explicit, and people know what's going on. That doesn't really fit as, as we see the social contract applied, which is usually applied as, shut up. You chose to live in society. These are the rules at least some variation of that. 
So he says, this week, we're going to examine a couple of follow-up issues, one that he didn't mention and one that he mentioned but didn't delve into. And he says, for those who missed last week's post, we started by noting the social contract is the concept that describes the origin of society and the legitimacy of the authority of the state over the individual. It asserts that all of us have consented to surrender some of our rights to a ruling group in exchange for the protection of our remaining rights. Now, he says there is this contract of adhesion, and that's one kind of contract that could be claimed as legitimately applying to the social contract. Now, this claim negates nothing that we covered last week. It's also kind of a dodgy kind of contract, but this is what's called a contract of adhesion. And it's the kind of contract you agree to, for instance, when using a parking garage. The tiny print, which you never read, absolves the garage from more or less everything and punishes you for any error. So in an adhesion contract, there's no negotiating, there's no clarification of terms, and very often there is an imbalance of power. Now, courts frequently strike down such contracts for reasons like the contract is unfair or it's oppressive to one party, that would be unconscionability, or you wouldn't have agreed if you had known the real terms, reasonable expectations. If the terms were so complex or finding them was so convoluted that they're just not knowable by any practical standard, Kind of like the feeling you get when you're doing your taxes, right? Trying to figure out all the thousands of pages of IRS code. Or if the terms changed between when you agreed and when they were enforced. So Paul Rosenberg says, I'm going to stop right here for a minute and just kind of leave you to examine the social contract in this light. Now he says, there is an honest justification. He says, I finished our previous post by saying this. Those who wish to justify the status quo are free to do so. But I'd like them to put forth justifications that are honest and substantial and not just slogans endlessly repeated. Now, he says, I think that's a fair request, but it also struck me that since the social contract is the only thing that's entered most minds, coming up with an honest alternative might be daunting. So he says, I'm going to play advocate and provide one. Forcible rule of the few over the many might be defensible if all other options would be worse. Now, this justification would require a lot of follow-on proofs, of course, so here are just a few that spring to mind. What are the alternatives? Is that really all of them? Have these alternatives been proven worse, and if so, by what standards of comparison and proof? And when and how often have they been proven false? By whom? When those people are paid, where does the money come from? What are the self-censorship pressures they face? Now, notice he's leaving some of the thinking right there for you to do. And he says, I'll leave you to wrestle with these things should you wish, but this at least is an honest line of inquiry. And more than anything, that's all I'm asking you to consider. I'm not, I'm not saying, hey, you need to become an anarchist right this second. But I do think it's probably a good idea to question. Should I do what somebody tells me to do just because, well, blah, 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 social contract. I think it is definitely worth a closer look. All right, shifting gears. When somebody points out that the growing challenges we have today are almost uh, have an almost demonic quality, I find it's getting harder to disagree with them. Got a great article here from James Howard Kunstler, A Walk on the Wild Side. And he's, he starts with a quote from Eugippius, who I also follow at Substack, which says, The leftist system is not meant to produce political stability or prosperity and feels a lot like it's entering a death spiral. Getting the lunatics out of power before they crash the entire West with no survivors is the most urgent problem we face. 
Now, if I'd said this three years ago, people would have said, oh, come on, settle down, take your medication, you know, it's going to be okay. But here we sit in 2022, and as you look at the clouds on the horizon, do you still feel safe in saying, yeah, you're making a big deal out of nothing? Because I definitely feel that there's been a shift. James Howard Kunstler asks, do you doubt anymore that the USA, indeed most of Western Civ, is in the grip of demonic possession? He says you can't quite medicalize the problem by calling it a group psychosis because the people demolishing social boundaries know exactly what they're doing and are shoving it in your face maliciously for the purpose of goading you into humiliation and punishment, which is predictably what will happen if you object to being messed with, having your mind messed with. Case in point, a shop teacher styling himself as Kayla Lemieux this is in Canada, comes to work wearing a grotesquely outsized fake boob costume. Now, you are meant to say that this is okay because, hey, it's just a form of gender expression, or so said the Halton District School Board in Ontario, Canada. But, of course, you know it's not okay. The school board only pretends it's okay because this nonsense is supported by the Canadian federal government under the woke Marxist Justin Trudeau, which holds the levers of power and can crush you, subject you to its courts, bankrupt you, ruin you if you don't play along. I mean, who knew that the glorious George Jetson future would tip into a neo-medieval religious frenzy, and more to the point, one deriving its dark energy from the demonic and satanic? You are asked to swallow ever greater absurdities, destroying your self-respect because you know that you're a coward for not standing up to this host of degenerates. The USA's Democratic Party of Chaos is behind all of this lunacy. Kunstler says it's gotten so bad that many no longer even follow the news of serial outrages by the regime led nominally by the empty vessel called Joe Biden. Millions of border jumpers have crossed into Texas and Arizona the past two years. The New York Times, CNN, Axis of News doesn't cover it because they want it to continue. Apart from the economic refugees coming across, there are substantial numbers of demonically murderous people, many of them not Mexican, but from all quarters of the world, including places with a grudge against our country. Not a few of them identified as international terrorists. Yet in they come. The welcome mat is out for them, while our joke of a president rails against white supremacist domestic terrorists, another lie you're supposed to swallow. Now, the open border issue came, only came back to the country's attention when Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida gifted Martha's Vineyard with a plane load of 50 illegal immigrants. Martha's Vineyard, by the way, did not accept them graciously. The island's leaders arranged post-haste for Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker to call in the state's National Guard and hustle the unwelcome newcomers to a military base on Cape Cod. Nobody with half a brain left failed to notice what this said about the wealthy intellectuals who populate Martha's Vineyard, including Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. You can change the demographics in Jefferson County, Arkansas all day long, but don't you dare change the social arrangements on our precious special island. Not one itty bitty bit. So much for all their lip service to diversity and inclusion. They follow the maxim out of the late Hollywood producer Samuel Goldwyn, famous for saying, include me out. So what is the answer when faced with large-scale religious disturbance in society, especially one displaying all the earmarks of overt archetypal evil? That's a pretty bold question. Well, you call in an exorcist. And James Howard Kunstler says this has been Donald Trump's true role in this millenarian mega-crisis. 
He's seeking to cast out evil spirits afflicting this sore beset national community, and the evil spirits are frantic to stop his ministrations by any means. I gotta come back to this on the other side of the break. By the way, this is not a Trump campaign ad so much as just an acknowledgement that why do people support him? Because they see he makes a difference. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Just a quick shout out here for lifesavingfood.com. It is National Preparedness Month. And in observation of that, there is a 30% off sale on food storage and emergency preparedness supplies. You can click on the link I provide in my show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. Again, that's lifesavingfood.com. I want to take advantage of this one. Back to James Howard Kunstler's article about a walk on the wild side. Now, he mentioned that uh, what we are facing right now, and I, I agree with him on this part. I really do think it feels like we are in the grip of a demonic possession. And I mean, as a society... It just seems like reality is being inverted. We are being told you have to believe the lie. You have to chant the lie. You cannot disagree with the lie. You have to disregard reality. And it's, it's, you know, it's a reminder that good and evil do exist. Now, people may differ with his conclusion that Donald Trump is the exorcist that was sent to us to, you know, get these evil spirits out from amongst us. So whether you support him or not, hear out James Kunstler, at least for what he's saying. He says, Trump is, of course, a most untoward avatar, avatar rather, in this war of, of good against evil. He came out of the infernal circle of New York real estate development, and the assumption all along is that he must be tainted by dirty dealing with the mobs who ran the construction unions. But after six years of relentless investigation by the Southern District of New York and the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, the legions of hell came up with nothing. How is this possible? Well, they tried their darndest. Now they're trying again with some double jeopardy maneuvers. The law to these degenerates is just an instrument of their own will to power. Now, Kunstler says, chugging toward the 2022 midterm elections, Mr. Trump is out there giving moral support and focus to so-called domestic terrorists seeking to crush the woke religious persecution, woke demonic religious persecution. Trump leads the substantial demographic of Americans who are determined not to play along with woke absurdities. And they love him for it. Mr. Trump, <laughs> excuse me, may not be, may or may not be the Republican nominee in 2024, but he is helping the country with a literal house cleaning in advance of that. And it will open the door to a deluge of corrective truth telling about what's gone on in the past several years in everything from the COVID 19 scam to the Green New Deal aimed at wrecking what's left of Western civilization's economies. James Howard Kunstler says Americans, except for the very old, are not disposed to attending church, meaning they are not reminded at regular, at regular intervals and formal rituals that good and evil exist in all of us, and that we have a duty to our sacred consciousness to tend to the right side, to the better angels of our nature, as Lincoln put it. He says, ultimately, the left will choke to death on its many crimes, and we can return to being a people who confidently know the difference between right and wrong. Now, some people may hear that and think, okay, well, this is purely in a political sense that he's talking. And I, you know, you can take it that way if you want. Maybe I'm a nut for reading more of the religious sense into it, but I do believe, and I, and I maintain, what we see playing out before us, all the conflict, this is just an extension of a larger battle between light and darkness 
that's been going on eternally. That's all it is. And if you have a religious background or a religious perspective, it becomes a lot easier to understand what's happening, and it becomes a lot easier to stand for what is true and what is good and what's right. If you know that God's real, if you know that even in demanding and difficult times, God will stand with those who are willing to humble themselves and call on him. Now, if I hadn't seen this firsthand with my own eyes, I might doubt, and I'm sure a lot of people do. But I have seen this dynamic play out. I watched it play out with uh, with the Bundy family's saga over the last eight years or so, and it was uh, it was quite a roller coaster ride. And for people who were like, "Well, you know, did God really protect them? Though, look at them—they sat in prison for two years, and it's true they did." A good chunk of the Bundy family, the men in the Bundy family, sat in jail for the better part of two years, awaiting trial. But today they are free. And I mean free as in unencumbered. They're not convicted felons. They're not just, you know, out on parole or anything like that. They are free individuals. Nobody, including me, expected to see that. And this is after they went up against the full weight and might of the federal government. But if you talk to Ammon Bundy, actually you talk to Ryan Bundy, Cliven, Carol, you know, Cliven's wife, any of them will tell you The reason that they are free men today is because God delivered them. I believe that. I believe it's true. I sat in the courtroom. I was there at Bundy Ranch in April of 2014. And and my message for anyone who, who has the ears to hear it is that God is very much aware of the cause of freedom and a supporter of the cause of freedom. But it's not a matter of wave that flag harder and cheer louder and clap harder and chant the right slogans. It's a matter of humbling yourself enough that you would turn to your creator and ask for his help. Sorry, this went a little bit more spiritual than I thought. But uh, I, like I say, I'm only saying this because it's something I've, I've witnessed personally. And I believe that is ultimately what's going to make the difference. Now, two quick things I want to share with you. Um, this... I, and I'll grant you, these these are not really pleasant things to think about, but I, th- I would recommend the articles that I'm including here in my show notes. One is from Michael Snyder, and it poses the question, why are major retailers like Walmart, among others, canceling billions of dollars in orders as summer comes to an end? There's a disturbing new trend that is taking place, and it does not bode well for the economic times. In fact, I was talking with a friend who owns an ammo manufacturing company. He was telling me that one of his buddies, who I, I think is a, is a pretty big mover and shaker, was talking to, uh, I'm not going to name the name, one of the big box, you know, sporting goods stores, who told him that they just canceled $37 million in ammo orders. I mean, that's that's a commodity that should be selling, you know, really, really well. Why are they doing this? Well, partially because we are in the midst of a raging economic crisis, but also because there are many within these big companies that see things are not going to get better. Walmart, Target, and other major retailers are working very hard to get prepared for what's coming. The question Michael Snyder has is, are you getting prepared? He says, I hope so, because at this point it should be glaringly obvious to everyone, exceedingly challenging times are on the way. 
And if you've already kind of caught that uh, glimpse of, okay, it looks like exceedingly difficult times could be coming, I would recommend click on the article that I post from James Wesley Rawls. Some of you may recognize him from survivalblog.com. I read his book, Patriots, Surviving the Coming Collapse, I don't know how many years, 20 years ago, pretty close to it. Actually had him on my show. Great guy. I know some people poo-poo him, but this this guy probably did more to influence me in terms of becoming more self-reliant and working with like-minded friends and people than anybody I can think of. In fact, he's the reason why my friends and I started our camping club, which was focused on what can we do to help each other, to learn new skills, to go and have fun, to rough it, suffer the bugs, suffer the heat, suffer the cold. And we did it. And it was a wonderful experience. I'll have to do a show on it sometime, just just because your own camping club could really make the difference. And it sounds a lot less subversive than, oh, your own militia, huh? We were a camping club. I mean, come on, the kids came along. The kids were, were a big part of this. This was having fun as a family, but it was also about learning useful skills. So I want you to check out James Wesley Rawls' article on Are You Ready for a Societal Winter? And he describes what some of the... Uh, key indicators of a coming societal winter would look like. And when you see what he's listing, things like the us versus them chatter in social media becoming more extreme and more pronounced. Ex-presidents frequently criticizing the sitting president and other former presidents. Heretofore, that was, uh, cons- <laughs> that was considered a no-no. The lack of any kind of middle ground in American politics. The divide between the red and the blue states. and I mean, it's a pretty lengthy list. But everything he lists here is legit. This is verifiable. You can click the links and see for yourself if you don't already know. Oh, yeah, that's, that's real. The point here is all of us will feel the cold of this societal winter. We're all going to feel the weight of the incremental tyranny that's coming upon us. I like how he puts this. We are facing a very cold societal winter. Nothing cuts to the bone quite like the icy gaze of someone in a position of authority, especially when they're backed by the might of law enforcement and the armed forces. So he says, if you don't want to see America turned into an enormous homeowners association that's all about control and power, you better be taking steps to to get yourself, your family, and those who are closest to you squared away and as much as possible capable of standing on your own feet. I know it's daunting. And it it makes me nervous too, because I I don't know. I don't think it's possible to prepare for every possibility. But I'm going to go back to something I said earlier. With God's help, it is doable. And that's what matters to me. This is The Brian Hyde Show.